Al Jazeera Podcasts. Today, a battle at the U.S. border. You swam the river, sweetheart. I didn't swim no river. Texas Governor Greg Abbott is testing how far he can go to enforce immigration. Three migrants drowned in the Rio Grande after help could not reach them in time. The state's National Guard blocking U.S. Border Patrol agents from a crucial... But as election season looms and people search for a better life over the U.S. border, what's on the line? I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. If you're a person crossing the U.S. border with Mexico into Texas, Al Jazeera correspondent Heidi Jo Castro says it's really the luck of the draw what you'll encounter when it comes to law enforcement. The Border Patrol would sometimes cut through the wire, help small children get across without getting cut too badly. And then just meters away, Texas police comes in. I I saw a lot of people getting handcuffed as if they were criminals. Heidi's now based in Washington, D.C., but she knows Texas well. I spent most of my adult life living in the state of Texas Hmm. and covering a lot of immigration and border issues and covering this border surge. So tell me about the small Texas town of Eagle Pass, the epicenter of this border crisis. I know that you've been watching this play out over several months now. When I was last in Eagle Pass late last year, you know, migrants who crossed the Rio Grande would first see layers and layers of barbed wire fencing. That was their first reception into the United States. Many would just cling to the few meters of land that are out of the water but still not in the thicket of the barbed wire, and they would be essentially stuck there overnight sometimes for many hours, regardless of whatever the weather is. And they would hope that someone would come and help them, cutting through the razor wire and helping them across. And the people who were doing that, which I saw with my own eyes, was U.S. Border Patrol agents. Hmm. So Heidi, a lot of what we're seeing revolves around a conflict between the Texas National Guard run by Governor Greg Abbott, and the Border Patrol, which is under President Joe Biden's administration. What do these agencies do? And why are people who are trying to come to the U.S. having such a different experience with the two? Yeah, well, the U.S. Border Patrol, they are typically the front line, and they are stationed up and down the border. And as we've seen more and more migrants trying to cross into the U.S., we've seen a greater portion of Border Patrol's jobs also dedicated to the humanitarian response as more and more people put themselves at risk in order to make the crossing. More recently, there has been another government law enforcement agency, the Texas State Police, that reports to the Republican governor, Greg Abbott. And alongside them, the Texas National Guard, which also take their orders from Greg Abbott. Mm. And they basically form an intimidation barrier. They have no authority to 
essentially arrest anyone because at this moment in time, at least, <laughs> that is still um, a federal crime to cross the border without authorization. However, they do pose a pretty imposing barrier physically. Uh, right now, we got my soldiers online on the sea wire, making sure that we are stopping them from entering illegally. And we're going to continue patrolling out here and do what we do best. It's Texans serving Texans. Soldiers carrying their weapons, Humvees, very much a militarized border look. And also the state police who do arrest people for trespassing, which is a Texas state law violation. They're put in zip tie handcuffs and then they're marched off. But whether they encounter U.S. Border Patrol first or the state police, they all end up in the same place, which is under processing of uh, the Border Patrol, of Homeland Security, hmm. which reports to the federal government. So they end up in the same place, but the treatment, is it different? Um, President Biden at that time was talking about how the United States was differentiating, you know, the treatment of migrants from his predecessor, Donald Trump, by taking this more humanitarian approach. And I remember interviewing the U.S. Border Patrol chief who said he was not going to stand by and tell his men and women of the U.S. Border Patrol to just let people suffer or let them endanger their lives. And we did see this time and time again. U.S. Border Patrol cut through that razor wire. Some even carried children themselves across when their parents were very obviously into poor of condition to help them across. Some people were falling on the ground. Hmm. And even speaking to people, both anti-migrant protesters and residents of the town who have been welcoming people who are streaming over. Can you describe what the town was like before this crisis and what it looks like these days? Eagle Pass is a very small border town, and it only became the epicenter of these recent migrant arrivals after the surrounding areas were fenced off more due to Trump and his border wall. Um, so at Eagle Pass, there is no physical barrier fence-wise. And there's this little island in the middle of the Rio Grande. So people only have to wade halfway across the water mm. and then they can rest for a little while. And then when they feel up to it, wade the rest of the way. Hmm. And I believe that is one of the major reasons why people choose this very spot to cross. Despite this five kilometer or so of stretch of the border, now being the most militarized. People were coming across, this was late last year, by the hundreds. Mm. Sometimes it was just a few people in a family group, but oftentimes they try to find support in numbers. And sometimes several dozen people would cross at the same time, linking their arms together to withstand the current, carrying children above their heads to stay out of the water. Even a woman who was in a wheelchair, who was paralyzed from the waist down, she was carried across. So this stretch of the riverbank of the Rio Grande became the scene of high, intense emotions for these migrants who, from what I saw, seemed caught between elation at having 
come so far to create to this final barrier they saw and of fear and every one of them exhausted, exhausted because they had already come so many thousands of kilometers and then to see this barbed wire before they were finally allowed to come to the U.S. side. The law enforcement agencies and migrants themselves weren't the only people Heidi encountered there. So in Eagle Pass, we met up with a a convoy of right-wing anti-illegal immigration protesters who had traveled there from across the United States. Now, these are mostly people who are very big Trump supporters. They named themselves the Take Our Border Back Convoy. But some of their leaders also dubbed God's Army. Hundreds of them caravan from Virginia here to this South Texas ranch to protest the Biden administration's handling of immigration issues here at the southern border. They came in semi-trucks, decked out with American flags, with pro-Trump signs, anti-migrant signs. Some had bullhorns. Some were wearing animal pelts. (laughs) There was actually a man from Minnesota who called himself Minnesota Mike that drove along the highway and we drove beside him and he was wearing his animal pelt and talking to us out of his windshield. Minnesota Mike says, get your butt down to the border. What's your message when you get down there? Shut the board. Keep it closed. And that was sort of the attitude. There was some concern that these uh, right-wing protesters would be armed, and many were because Texas is an open carry state. But upon arriving in Eagle Pass, I would say between 100 to 200 vehicles, they set up a campground slash political rally slash Christian evangelical revival type uh, meeting. Yeah. And some of the local residents of Eagle Pass who were welcoming of the migrants didn't want this, what they said was a hate-filled rally. I talked to one woman who said she was a third-generation rancher in the area. And she said that she lives right on the border And when migrants come across, as they often do, right into her ranch, she said they're usually asking for water. Usually people just want food and water and a clean pair of socks. Sometimes when I find people, they get down on their knees and they ask for God to bless me. Hmm, wow. And she says she's never seen any sort of crime. She's never seen them be violent that this rhetoric, which I heard over and over again from the convoy and from Donald Trump himself, that criminals are coming or that rapists are coming or that children traffickers, drug dealers are coming, this resident on the border said that she'd never encountered that. But ultimately, it was a, it was a political showdown between the two sides with the convoy of anti-migrant protesters saying that the border is under crisis, blaming it on President Biden, saying they supported Greg Abbott's efforts, the Texas governor, to crack down on border crossings. And ultimately, the name on everyone's lips and on every sign was Trump. After the break, how tensions along the border parallel the strain between Republicans like Trump and Texas Governor Abbott and the Biden administration. 
Welcome to Necessary Tomorrows. My name is Ursula, I am an AI, and I have inferred from your online activity that you have been feeling more dread than hope when you think about the future that is coming for us here in the 2060s. So I have created a course just for you to enhance your capacity for imagining different futures. Necessary Tomorrows, an audio series by Doha Debates and Al Jazeera. Find it where you listen to podcasts. So, Heidi, let's talk about the impetus behind Texas Governor Greg Abbott's moves here. He has been pretty steadfast in his efforts to stop border crossings through a number of policies. What are some of them and how are they actually affecting the migrants looking for better lives? Yeah, we've already talked about how Greg Abbott has deployed the Texas National Guard. Apart from that, over the last couple years, Abbott has made a name for himself by busing migrants out of his state. Texas Governor Greg Abbott repeatedly sends thousands of migrants from the border state to Democrat-run cities. So once the migrants have been processed by U.S. Border Patrol, they are driven to Chicago, New York, places that are governed by liberal, Democratic, local government. And then essentially these buses just dump people in the middle of the city. He said that he wanted them to feel Texas's pain. And he's been successful in that. We've heard many mayors of these large U.S. cities say that this has become a problem. Migrants with really nowhere to go suddenly just show up in their cities. And perhaps the most consequential step that the Texas governor has taken is a new state law. It will take effect on March 5th. And it would essentially allow the state of Texas to deport people. Texas Governor Greg Abbott signed one of the toughest state immigration laws in recent American history on Monday. It allows police to arrest migrants suspected of crossing the border illegally. Why that is so incredible is because the U.S. Constitution clearly says it is the federal government's job to enforce border security and immigration. And that is not even in question. Mm -hmm. However, Abbott says that he has a right to pass these laws and take these incredible measures because he claims that his state is under, quote, invasion. Wow. We are banding together to fight to ensure that we will be able to maintain our constitutional guarantee that states will be able to defend against any type of imminent danger or invasion. And so if this law takes effect as intended on March 5th, it would create a state crime category for people crossing into Texas, just as if Texas were its own country. Mm. And people caught crossing could be punishable from six months to 20 years in prison. Wow. But here's the carrot, I guess, that Abbott is extending. If a person who's been charged agrees to immediately return to Mexico, then those criminal charges are dropped. So essentially, it's a state-level deportation system that the U.S. has never seen before. Right. Are there any means to stop it? The federal government says that this law is, quote, clearly unconstitutional. The Department of Justice is asking for an injunction so that this state law does not take effect. And that razor wire we talked about earlier, 
That's part of the politics here, too. The U.S. Supreme Court actually granted a request from the Biden administration to allow federal border patrol agents to cut or move razor wire. This was back in January. This is really setting the scene for an election showdown between Dems and Republicans. Talk to me about how that tension is playing out politically. Yeah, so Greg Abbott is now being accused of being in open defiance of a U.S. Supreme Court order saying that U.S. Border Patrol has ultimate supremacy on the border. Hmm. However, the state police and the state National Guard still have physical possession of that five-kilometer stretch of the border. And despite the Supreme Court's order, they have not allowed U.S. Border Patrol access. So the ball right now is in President Biden's court. There are people who are very worried about what might happen next. If the president were to order his U.S. Border Patrol to get access, that could mean a physical confrontation between the federal government and the state law enforcement. Hmm. So this standoff, is it having wider implications? Because you mentioned earlier that the convoy that came down to Eagle Pass had Trump on the lips. What does Trump have to do with this? Trump became president you can argue, by politicizing the border situation back in 2016. They're bringing drugs, they're bringing crime, they're rapists, and some, I assume, are good people. And, of course, he's running for president again. And so it is in Trump's own interest to continue this perception of chaos on the border which he uses to accuse Biden of mismanagement, of ineptitude in managing the border. Nobody to this day can explain why this open wound is good for our country. But we're going to seal the border, complete it, and we're going to repeal the invasion. There was a bipartisan bill in the Senate that was seeking to present some solutions to the current large number of border arrivals. And it included a number of notable concessions from Democrats. And President Biden sounded really more like a Republican candidate than a Democrat. So this bipartisan bill in the Senate was on its way to a full vote, but then it sizzled and in dramatic fashion because Republicans who had first insisted on these elements in the bill then withdrew their support after former President Trump said, you have to not support this bill. So many people are looking at it that Trump is trying to deny a solution to this border issue and let it continue to fester until the election, hoping that this gives him a greater edge. And that's The Take. This episode was produced by Sonia Bagat and Miranda Lynn, with Amy Walters, Nagin Oliayi, Varenisa Kampana, Chloe K. Lee, Sariel Khalili, David Enders, Ashish Malhotra, Khalid Sultan, Zaina Bezer, and me, Malika Bilal. Alex Roldan is our sound designer. Joe Plord mixed this episode. Alexandra Locke is The Take's executive producer, and Ney Alvarez is Al Jazeera's head of audio. We'll be back 